Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 53. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other by forcing each other to watch movies that we wouldn't otherwise see. Okay. I think we need to work on the, the on blurb the, in on the, the beginning. On the blurb again, yeah. See, we changed our concept last time. Yes. We Although used... you haven't changed the concept. No, I'm it's still It's just going... me that has changed the concept. Exactly. So. Once upon a time, we were choosing... Uh, Films that the other person had never seen. Yes. That that was the uh, entry into conversation and the getting to know each other better. Yeah. And now we just get to choose. So it turned out that Dave had see, only seen 26 less films than me or something like that. <laughs> there were only 26 films. So <laughs> but, instead of ending the podcast immediately, <laughs> we decided to rethink uh, the concept. So now it doesn't, it, it, you just get to choose. Yes. I get to choose. Now I'm still going with the, I'm choosing stuff that I want you to see. Well, yeah, I'm not going to choose stuff that I was like, no, 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 I no. never watched I mean, this. I'm still choosing stuff that <laughs> I saw that was meaningful or in some way to me that, or is just a film that I feel like you need to see. And you can do whatever you want to. Well, that's not the... I, I mean, I'm still going to choose films that are meaningful to me. It's Why are you just arguing the, about the concept of the... <laughs> we changed the concept. It's no, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing with the, with the description that you're using to... to <laughs> so, I am showing it's, movies... It's implication by omission no, no, is no. the issue. <laughs> I'm choosing movies I know you haven't seen. Yes. I thought you weren't doing that anymore. I'm not doing movies that I know you haven't seen, but the way you're framing it, it sounds like I am choosing movies that I, that are meaningful to me that you haven't seen. So it's not the meaningful to me part that we're dropping. It's the that you haven't seen part because you've seen all the movies, apparently. <laughs> all right. So the point is, <laughs> there is no point to any of this That's anymore. That's right. There's no point. <laughs> And I'm not going to try and put words in your mouth anymore because okay. you didn't like that. Well, I just, <laughs> I didn't dislike it. <laughs> anyway, you chose the movie this week. So, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and you chose the preamble this week. That's right. All right. So what movie Wait, did what you choose? Wait, what movie choose? did I choose? What movie did, did I choose, you choose movie? Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I chose uh, My Beautiful Laundrette. Yes. From 1985. Which is not about a female laundry laundry person. No, that's what they call uh, laundromats. Yes, laundromats. Yes. Laundromats yes. in uh, the UK, apparently. Because I used to watch EastEnders, too. Yeah. And they would also talk so about I, the I've never laundrette. seen this movie, and my concept of it, without having seen any of it in, or knowing anything about it, is that it was about, like... It's a saucy British comedy about a... <laughs> <laughs> about a woman well, who that, like works in the eighteen hundreds who's a laundress or something like that, which is not what it's about. <laughs> There's no S's, it's laundrette. I know. No. Okay. Like like Colette. Yes. <laughs> so uh it's uh one of Daniel Day Lewis's first films. I think it was his first major. It is his first film. Yeah. Okay. And um it's one of the first for Stephen Frears too. 
I should have done my homework. It's his third. That's what I was going to say. Third or fourth film, somewhere in there. And this was originally shot for British television for Channel Four, and in then sixteen millimeter in sixteen millimeter, <laughs> which is hence the graininess. Yes, but the graininess complements the. Uh, well, it looks like those early Mike Lee films that were made. It's for around TV. the same time. Yeah. Um, were I they think also some of for Mike Channel Four? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently Channel Four was created. Um, during the Thatcherite uh, okay. years of um, privatizing. Okay. So Channel 4 was a, a privatized station that ended up being very critical. Of, yeah. I mean, that actually had programming that was uh, um, independent and free-minded and critical of the government and yeah, all sorts interesting. of interesting things. Um, so it still like produces great independent Films. So I'm not all that familiar with this period in history, you know, because they, in my history class, didn't teach us about the 80s because the 80s had just happened. And so. you know what? I saw this when it came out in the movie theater. Yeah. And when I was 14, I wasn't really following yeah. Detroit <laughs> politics. I didn't know what was going on in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that even if my history had gone to the 80s that we would have covered that. I don't know what they cover when they cover the 80s now. Yeah. In in schools. So I guess I should... Dave, tell me, why did you choose why this film? Why did you choose this film? <laughs> <laughs> I, I should make cue cards next That's time. That's right. No, I'm just, yeah. Um, so, so I just said, I didn't know anything about Thatcherite England or the UK when I was 14 years old when I saw this. So for me, I think this stands out because it probably was one of the first movies outside of my usual fare of, yeah. you know, popcorn movies and Steven Spielberg. And I was probably starting to, you know, de- my dad taking me to a Hitchcock movie or showing me Charlie Chaplin starting to get that taste. But this was definitely like a, oh, this is a film about everyday people in the UK about what's happening right here and now. Um, it's about class. It's about race. It was probably the first film I ever saw with, um, a gay relationship at at the heart of it. Um, I don't think I'd ever, I grew up in San Francisco, but I don't think I'd ever seen a movie where the, the main love relationship, um, was two between two men yeah and it was treated thoughtfully and the movie wasn't about that per se yeah. but it was there and it just i know i think i just opened up what movies could be for me i mean i know that there were movies like this before and socially conscious movies um about what's happening here and now neighborhoods, people you might know and stuff like that. But I wasn't watching that and I wasn't aware of it. And it was around, I guess a little bit after that, the, I started the Mike Lee movies kind of appeared on my yeah. radar too. It was probably actually two or three years later that I saw high hopes, the first Mike Lee movie I saw, but it had that same similar 16 millimeter kind of greediness, like the, uh, shit sucks during the Margaret Thatcher yeah. years. Um, we're just trying to get by, um, we're on the dole, you know, that sort of thing. It's, and, and maybe some of the same sort of oddness, you yeah. know, it's a, it's an odd film. It is an odd film. Yeah. It's not really a drama. It's no. not really a comedy. It doesn't sound right to call it a comedy drama. No. It's just a story. It's just a, it, it's about 
these couple of people. <laughs> it's about so much. But anyway, yeah. I was just trying to get first off why I chose it is because I think it, it expanded my horizons of like you can make really compelling movies about characters who are not, you know, running from a giant stone with uh, carrying a whip and no. jumping across bridges. You know, it was like not a popcorn movie. It was, it, I, I don't know. I like the way it told me about the world and about yeah. other people. And I guess that sort of getting to live the experience of, of other people. Yeah. And so that kind of, um, getting outside of your own lens of the world. Uh, so this has to do with the Pakistani community. Yeah. And I mean, among so many things, but it, the main character is uh, Omar. Mm-hmm. Should we do a, s- <laughs> a, s- a thumbnail of at least the characters? And what's... So uh, Omar is the yeah, main Omar character. Yeah, Omar is the main and character. And he lives with his father, who is an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, who used to be a professor and I'm not sure, maybe at a local school or something I like that. I think he actually, they, there was some bit of dialogue in there that he was actually a really prominent, like, leftist journalist in India, in that's Bombay. That's right, yeah. Like, he knew, like, the politicians. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and so he was actually kind of a figure of stature and import yeah. over there. And his family was is important in India. I think that came up. I, I think I so, I mean, too. Pakistan. In, and now he's kind of in a hovel alcoholic yeah, yeah bedridden basically yeah he doesn't leave his apartment you know and his son omar takes care of him and omar gets a job working for his uncle yeah um nasser is the character nasser. and then is is that that other guy was he the uncle's son is that his cousin no i don't think he's a relative okay. or if he is it's never yeah, it's, I didn't get the I idea that he was... I think he's just an associate, a business associate. Okay. Unless, like he's, a younger... unless he's some kind of cousin or something. But I don't think he's ever referred to in a familial way. That's right. So yeah. that you're talking about Salim, the, yeah, yeah. the skeefy yeah. drug-running guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his uncle runs a, a number of businesses around, um, I think it's... I think like this is the, from near Vauxhall and Battersea, that kind of area. Yeah. So it's not London, it's... Well, it's like South London. Yeah, actually. is that part I of... Think, I think okay. it's like South South London. Okay. Sorry for our geography and yeah. UK listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, so he owns like... It was uh, an auto body shop or something? No, or a it's, garage I think it's or just a parking, car wash? Parking, parking garage? Is it a parking garage? It's like parking... And then they also like wash the cars. So he's an entrepreneur and he has all yeah, these weird little businesses. Weird side businesses and stuff like that. And he works with a network of, of other men who also have like a small series of businesses. So they're kind of sort of eking out, you know, a business empire from, you know, these little little businesses that they're able to. So he's fairly successful enough to support his large family. And he has like a big house. He, yeah. I think he's supposed to be pretty successful. He has a wife and three daughters. And then he also treats his mistress, who he's had for a long time, it, it his uh, British mistress that he's had. Yeah, for, he has a white mistress. Yeah. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. With the furs <laughs> and the, you know. So he's able to keep her in, 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 you know, Maintains furs her lifestyle. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of, and then we have Omar's friend from college who is Daniel, not college, school, grade school. Yeah. 
Johnny. Johnny. And that's the Daniel Day Lewis character. Yeah, and he has a bunch of friends that are. Well, he's like a punk. Yeah. Sort of, kind of skinhead fascist type. Yeah, that gets kicked out of places that he's squatting in and hangs out on the streets with his his buddies, you know, and breaks bottles and up to no good. Yeah. Well, except not really not up it's to not, not, he's, they're not they're dealing not really drugs. Criminals or they're anything just like don't that. have a job. They're they're on the dole. And that's the Thatcherite yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're on the dole. They've got nothing to do. They're the kind of working class yeah. but without any work. There's no work. Yeah. And they're just drifting and living in squats and kind of, you know, drinking and throwing bottles around and yeah. picking on people, picking right. on the Pakistani <laughs> community. Yeah. Because there's a big, they're anti-immigrants. Mm-hmm. That's a big lie, through line in the movie, too. Yeah. Um, and I guess Omar starts taking the path of uh, Nasser gives him the laundrette to run. Yeah. And that's what kind of that's where the title comes from and the focus of the movie although we spend relatively little time in the laundrette you know for the title of the movie lana quit it (laughs) so it's really about i mean what is it really about i mean like what it's about omar and johnny yeah it's about omar making it's about omar it's about omar and what his life is like and and what his well, he's goals on the dole are. in the beginning. He is. He's on the dole in the beginning until his dad gets and him the job with his uncle. His dad wants him to go back to school. To school, yeah. And he's just going to earn a few bucks in the meantime. But he ends up like, oh, I'm going to have my own business and be part of my uncle's yeah. empire. And so, you know, the uncle Nasser never had, doesn't have a son. Yeah. So he looks at Omar as. As a son. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then you've got this like love story. Mm-hmm. He, he runs into Johnny on the street and just runs over to him and invites him to... What did he invite him to? I don't know, but... Ver, uh, I mean, he gives him a job right away. Yeah, he's so, like, come come work at my yeah, laundry. Yeah, he's like, come, I got... I got you want to earn some money? Come, yeah. And so that starts their connection. They reconnect after years yeah. apart. But, like, there's, like, little or no sort of explanation. They just sort of... I don't, I don't know when it it actually becomes clear that they're interested in each other. I guess, I guess it starts to be clear when, when Omar, his uncle's daughters, one of them is interested in him and it's clear that he's just not interested in her in that way, you know? So, and then there's some looks between him and Johnny, I guess. But having seen the movie and known that it's going to be about their relationship partly, um, like you could see from the body language and the looks immediately when they see each other in that first yeah. scene where they catch up with each other and Johnny, they're kind of Johnny and his hangabout friends are like going to pick on them and stuff. Right. And yeah. then he drops it right away and it's like smiles and like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have their, you know, they kind yeah. of talk quietly in the corner and like make, I mean, you yeah. can see that if you know that you're going to get well, there. Yeah, if, well, yeah. Well, if but you're, it also if you're not to... looking for that, then it's just like. Well, because they can't. It can't be overt in front of Johnny's friends or in front of Omar's yeah. family. I forget if he's with anybody at the time. Is he with Salim or? or... I think he was with yeah. Salim. Yeah, he like gets out of the car. And yeah, because I think they're going to they're gonna pick on them. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. 
I really like just about everything about this, like the quirkiness of it, the weird shifts in tone. Yeah. Um, what did you make of this movie? Well, I mean, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. Like what it you was know, about or yeah, where it's going? It, I mean, like, I think the first thing I said is that it, it was clear that it was like the 80s and that it was Thatcher, England. Yeah. You know, even though I don't know a whole lot about that, but it was clear that it was that. We just have little partic- shorthand ideas particular of Particular time period. Um, but I don't know. It was interesting. Like, I never quite got my bearings on this mm-hmm. film. Like... It's like, it was so interesting. They didn't have, like, there was, you would get snippets of backstory on everybody, but there was never, like, you know, we never figure out what's what happened to Omar's mom, you know, what the deal with his dad was, like, what happened to his, because it sounded like his dad was a public school teacher in England for some period of time. I didn't get that. And then the kids were jerks to him or something like that, or... That he took Johnny in as if he was a son or something like that. No, what I understood was the was Omar's father, the Mm. former journalist from Bombay. Yeah. Um, in when when the kids were when the boys were at school together. Yeah. Or something. Um. They lost track of Johnny at some point. And the father saw Johnny in a crowd of fascist protesters marching and carrying on and kind of rioting and stuff like that. And so that was the, like, that kid you used to know went bad and he's one of them now. He's one of those skinheads out there marching and and stuff like that. And so there's this kind of thing where, like, his father doesn't like Johnny because because he knows about his sort of fascist past, which Johnny maintains is his past. He hangs out with these kind of -of out-of-work guys, but they're not really seriously, like, super... They're not, like, militant nationalists. They were, like, stupid kids. And so Johnny's, like, trying to move on from that, and he's adamant that he's not violent anymore, and he's, I think, deeply ashamed and embarrassed that the father knows about that or you know and has reported that back to omar and has that whole context for him that he's not going to be able to really live down yeah so that was the thing i got about okay the boys at school and the falling out and what little we know and and then i mean like it's it's interesting because there's so much involved with the family um and then there's this the weird side story about um, them selling drugs, Salim's drugs that uh, he asked Omar to carry around. Omar steals them and sells them in clubs and then uses the money to invest in the laundrette, um, which is kind of a weird, odd... Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that... I think that one of the things you see through the different characters and their and their lives and choices is like the different ways that they're coping with life in Britain during this time and the ways that they make money or don't make money. And so you have characters who are on the dole and can't find work or who are um, basically disability kind of, you know, like his alcoholic father. Um, You have. Nasser, who's completely embraced the I'm a, I'm in the UK and I'm an entrepreneur now and I'm going to start my businesses and earn my money and I'm going to be 
I'm going to be a proper British. I'm going to be yeah. a British person, basically. Yeah. Um, not he's not very traditional. Yeah, he's kind of uh, embraced the I'm here now, and I'm going to have my laundrette in my parking lots. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and I'm gonna. He owns property. He's like a slumlord or something yeah. too. He has like a tenement building. Oh, that's right. He has Johnny come and sort of like kick out people who haven't paid their rent and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they're always trying to drag Johnny back into and being the thug that they think and he, he is. He didn't want to do it because he's been kicked out. I mean, that's the opening scene of the movie is him getting kicked out of a. Of a place that they're squatting in, you know, yeah. so I think that he doesn't want to be that person who's responsible for kicking out people who don't have anywhere to go, you know. I think you basically have, um, what is the name of Nasser, the you know, the uncle with the yeah. businesses. He's kind of like the legitimate, as legitimate there is as, as a, yeah. a business owner. Like it's, I don't, you don't get the sense that he's really doing anything necessarily illegal unless it's like cheating on his taxes yeah. or, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty straight. Yeah. Like I'm going to run these businesses kind of thing. Maybe the, the, maybe it's more like the being a shitty landlord is kind yeah. of the critique there or something like that. And then you have Salim, the guy who works with them, who's like a drug, who's like got a drug business going yeah, on. Yeah, he's kind of so creepy So he's too. the dirty dealings kind yeah. of guy. He's the only one he's who's violent. really like that. Yeah. And um, Omar and Johnny see that as an opportunity to just like, that guy's an asshole. He's yeah. got this money. We could really make a go of this if we yeah. just don't deliver <laughs> what he needs us to deliver yeah. somehow uh he just kind of makes them go pick up these weird drug uh you know packets of drugs at the airport at the airport yeah. you know smuggled in under somebody's like fake beard like, that's right beard right <laughs> it's quite it's pretty funny actually um and they take one big score and they funnel it into the business and then they they take this really crappy ramshackle ramshackle laundrette and they get the fancy sign and they redo the whole thing and that's it's kind like, of the midpoint mid middle of the movie two thirds of the way through as they're kind of working on it's, the, it's very Memphis school in yeah. there. It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. I'd watch it's it anyway. Design from the eighties. It's all the the like squiggles and the weird shapes and and the 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 odd shaped furniture and stuff like that is Memphis school. Yeah. Um but it influenced all the like sign art and and um like from the eighties. It was really influential for the from the eighties. <laughs> I think we should do the architecture of every movie that we watch. That's right. To to so that we can get something out of your 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 other areas of interest well, <laughs> and your your expertise and it actually reminds me this is this is my own experience with laundry um, my it, own experience with laundry it's like you know there's the like old school laundries that have been around forever and their laundry machines haven't been replaced in 15 years and you still have to get quarters in order to do them and then um, <clears throat> they opened up in my neighborhood when I was in college, something called a spin cycle, which was like had the fancy stainless steel ones and they would you could use your credit card to pay for the thing and that was the the cool place to get your laundry done. So this is the cool So they have laundry, the cool place. The cool laundry. They have, like a, they have video games, right? Yeah. And like jukebox yeah. and um I don't know. It looks like it's supposed to be a hangout or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's couches Do you and... remember the their opening day uh thing where there's like 
crowds of people waiting That's in the street right. well, for their grand opening. Well, they just want to do opening. their laundry, though. They brought their laundry with them. They're not yeah, like... Yeah, but they created... They, <laughs> but some of them are just there. Yeah. And they created this buzz of, like, the shop is going to... Yeah. Grand reopening and all that. And it's this fancy glitter. Because remember what it looked like in the beginning? When yeah. he's like, hey, do you want to run this laundrette? And he walks in and everything's falling apart. There's, like, some guy who's perpetually on the phone, shouting into the phone. There's, like, l- idiot, like, 11 and 12-year-olds, like, just smashing co- the coin machines and yeah. trying to break <laughs> stuff and uh it's just awful it's horrible yeah. it's horrible it's like yeah. you would never be able to make a go of it like they never well that's what his family i mean i guess salim says you're never going to be able to do anything with that place no. you know so he gets his hands dirty yeah so it's interesting to see the choices that omar makes along yeah. the way he's not clean cut yeah he's not just a businessman like his well, uncle. Well, he's not exactly liberal-minded either. He's picked up some of his uncle's sort of less than progressive that's ideas about, um, you know. And meanwhile, you know, engaging in this relationship that, you know, is not acceptable on any... It's completely to, transgressive to his family. To his family, to his family and, and to Johnny's friends and, you know... And they do keep it a secret most of the time. I, yeah, I don't think anybody. The finds only one out. I think Tanya finds out. So oh, that's Tanya right. is Nas- the uncle's uh, daughter. Is she the middle daughter? I think. Well, she's the one who's supposed to be matched with Omar. Yeah, that's right. As soon as uh, Uncle takes in Omar, you know, yeah. like a son, and is going to give him the business and kind of help him work his way up. Um, he Im- immediately starts talking about how Tanya is a possible wife for you. Yeah. Well, and, and I think Tanya is interested only in the fact that she wants to get away from home. You know, she doesn't want to be a wife. Yeah, she doesn't want to be a, sh- she doesn't want to be like <laughs> no, her mother. She no. doesn't want to be like Rachel. The, yeah. She's super pissed and yeah, about she Rachel, does not like his, his, her dad's. She doesn't want to be promised anyone. Yeah. She doesn't want to be, have a matchmaking or arranged marriage. Um, she is, a, seems to be attracted to Omar yeah. and I don't know if she's, I think she's actually attracted to him, but I know she also is on the lookout for a way out of the family yeah. and the expectations. She's a really interesting character. Yeah, she is. She, she ends up, um, deciding to just go away on her own accord at the end. Yeah. You know, she just. So she's the one who I think reads the body language and the mm. eye contact and and i can't even remember if there's any dialogue exchanged but i think it's mostly that she sees and picks up on yeah how they relate to each other um johnny and and omar so what do you think about the johnny and omar relationship i don't i don't know like I was, I was reading this, and I was like, I was surprised. And, and I just but, mean in the in the sense that but, that if like in terms of the the characters and and what they have invested in it, mm-hmm. I know they both are attracted to each other. I don't know how much they love each other or anything like that, but I feel like Johnny is like in love with Omar. Mm. I feel like the Daniel Day Lewis character that, is yeah. more invested, and yeah. he's kind of like. I'm willing to kind of walk away from this other shit. Yeah. And I would like to make an honest buck. Yeah. And I'd like to give it a go with you. And there's something about, you know, I think he feels seen by Omar. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I don't, I didn't get the feeling that Omar felt the same way. 
No, to me, I think he's... <clears throat> I don't know. There's something opter, opper, opportunistic about Omar to me, you know. He's not the same person by the end of the no, movie. No, he's getting drawn into his uncle's orbit, and I think he's, like, willingly going into it. Like, he's not interested in going to university like his dad wants. He... Like, I think his uncle is like, let me introduce you to this other guy I know who has a laundry that, that, you know, that needs some work, you know, mm. see what you can do about that. And that's what, I mean, I think they, they actually end up going and looking at it or something like that at one point. I think at, towards the end of the movie, he makes a deal with that other guy that he's going to take those other, yeah. he's going to run those other laundries. Yeah. So he's, so he's, he's going to start an empire. pulled into this, um, this thing, you know, small business person. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that word opportunistic. Yeah. There's something I more more cold being, and calculating than I thought he was at the beginning. Well, did was he like that in the beginning, or does he become like that through this that's, experience? That's because a good question. He seems so innocent and so. Yeah, he does. At in first. the beginning, when he seems to be pretty happy just taking care of his dad. Yeah. And like maybe trying to go on an interview or two, but like his dad is the one who sets him up with his uncle. It's interesting yeah. because he sets him up with his, his brother, yeah, the dad's brother to, you know, give Omar a job. Yeah. Come on, take him in, give him a job. But he doesn't seem to approve of any of the results of yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. Like he's basically saying, you know, go off and, in a way, become a shitty British business person. Yeah. <laughs> go and assimilate. Go and... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That... that, And it's interesting because that dad never seems to be able to communicate directly to his son that he wants him to go to university. He's like... He tells everybody he else. He tells Johnny that he wants him to go to university. I think he tells... His, his, the, brother, his brother that he wants him to go to university, but I don't think it's headed that way, you know. It's definitely not headed that way where we leave Omar well, and, at the end. You know, the incident with Salim, you know, so after they steal the money from Salim or sell the drugs yeah. and then Salim finds out and he insists on getting the money back as quickly as possible, you know, otherwise the threat there was a threat that he's <clears> going to beat them. So they you know, do all this stuff in order to get the money. Um, did they sell a bunch? They stole a bunch of VCRs or something like that from. Yeah, I guess they did. Yeah. That's foggy to me. I don't well, remember. that's it's funny. I don't remember a time when VCRs were expensive enough to get that kind of money. But I mean, <laughs> we don't even know how much they took. Yeah, yeah. It will look also, like, that was shorthand for who knows what else. They yeah, got. what else they got? Yeah, it was one scene to stand in for the rest. Yeah. I guess. But then, like Sleem's, like you know, you can keep the money. Just ask for it next time you want it. Don't steal it, you know. Yeah, don't take from your own kind of From your own, yeah. Which is, I don't know if that that whole situation made him harder or, you know, he he had to engage in some more criminal type activity in order to... Well, he somehow got to the point of let's steal the drug money in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Early on. Well, but I mean, like stealing from, I don't know. 
It's like a Robin Hood thing or something like that. Stealing yeah. from people who are dealing drugs is different than stealing from breaking into someone. To renovate my laundrette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then I guess, you know, Salim is sort of the big enemy in the film, if there is one. Um, and he gets, at the end, he gets uh, in a big fight with the um, Johnny's. Johnny's. Uh... Friends. Street friends. Street yeah. friends. Yeah. I don't know how to refer to the, the street friends. <laughs> the street friends. His on the dole street friends. Yeah. Um, so he gets... Uh, They're punks, he, I guess. Yeah, he gets knocked around a little bit. Um, so he gets he gets what he, he deserves. And I was just waiting for them, one of them to like break the front window and it never got broken. Or did it? I thought it, it gets broken. Does it? I think they break the front window. Okay. I think they kind of smash up the, well, the That's like a big tension the is that the, they're going to destroy the... Beautiful, the, the beautiful the renovated window. window. Yeah. Yeah. The laundrette is going to be... I don't think it, the place gets burned down or anything, no, but I think no. the, it gets a bit smashed up. Yeah. Well, that's... I mean, like, there's a lot of tension between <clears throat> Johnny and his friends as Johnny is trying to pull away from that and... You know, and and they're particularly upset that he's decided to associate with Pakistani. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so there's a lot of tension there. So I was just waiting for the the you know for for someone to break a window or you know rob the place or something like that. I know and, you kind of think that that's going to go a lot worse than it does. Than it does. I, yeah. You almost. Well, I mean, I guess the tone of the movie doesn't say that, but you wonder if there's going to be some full-on, like, skinhead smashdown kind Yeah, of I did kind of wonder if it was going to be like Like, if they're going to torch the laundrette or really yeah. beat up Omar, our hero. Yeah, or they um, would find out about Johnny and Omar and something bad would go down. Yeah, again, I think Tanya is the yeah. only one who seems to really catch on. You know what? It reminds me of that, that, that kind of tension... Um, and I think we've talked about this before. It's the Mike Lee movie, and I've it's jumped out of my brain. Which one, though? Explain the the um, synopsis. I can usually get the title. Uh, it's the woman. Happy go lucky. Happy go lucky. I yeah. like can point to it on our shelf. Yeah, side yeah. Over here. I was. It's it's one of my favorite films, and for some reason, it just escaped my brain what it was. But there's this like odd sense of tension between her and it's not just that but the you mean because she has an unhinged uh, driving instructor well the thing is is that it's not just that there's also the scene where she where she goes to work with the homeless people yeah he, she, she comes to talk to the homeless guy like alone in the middle of the in night in the middle of the night in an abandoned in a completely lot. remote abandoned lot so, but also the this sort of like tension between her and this like awful unhinged racist sexist driver driving instructor that she's who she's alone in a car with who for, has serious anger management yeah. issues like he's going to flip the fuck out any yeah. second but it's that same sort of danger like you're you're hanging out with someone who's on the verge of like just flipping a switch and going crazy you know and i feel like that at first i was worried that johnny was but then it became clear that johnny was you know He's moving away from that, but then his friends are still in that, you know, where where anything could set them off, kind of, kind of thing. And so I was, and Salim too. He's got that same sort of like 
sense of dread and violence and yeah there's about them. there's a danger a dangerous yeah. feeling when he's in the room yeah um it's funny because the film is so dated in the look of it yeah. like he looks kind of ridiculous like yeah. his big hair and his kind of 80s like oh, yeah. flashy he's, like he's got the bolo neckties and, and pointy toe shoes and he looks yeah. kind of like a pimp but he's sort kind of, of yeah yeah pakistani pimp but he's kind of scary yeah um, he does beat up Omar at some point, right? Uh, yeah, he does. For stealing the money. Yeah, for stealing the money and tells him to get more. Otherwise, worse will happen was yeah. what the suggestion was. So here's one of the interesting things. One of the interesting things. I think that Johnny, as played by Daniel Day-Lewis, is so... he's. Like, even then, he was able to give such a nuanced performance yeah. because you have this idea that Johnny is capable of violence, but he doesn't feel scary in the way that yeah. Salim does. Yeah. And actually, instead of that, there's a, there's a very almost sweet kind of gentleness yeah. to Johnny. Yeah. So he runs. So again, the movie plays a lot with your expectations and your the way you size somebody up at first glance incorrectly yeah. bias, uh, stereotype stuff like that. And he's actually, <laughs> Ashley's reaching for the squirt bottle because yeah. our cat is about to go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, w- there's not much we can do about that except, yeah. uh, introduce water into the situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. We give you some sound effects yeah. this time. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if this was was um, Daniel Day Lewis's first sort of major role, that I think in film maybe I think maybe he and had this done, was made as a television film. Yeah, well, it's interesting to me that it was made for TV, but it was picked up by like the Edinburgh Edinburgh no, it was, Film um, Festival, or well, they. They screened it at the Edinburgh Film Festival, mm. and it was so praised and got such yeah. a huge buzz that they decided to pull the screening on Channel 4 television okay. and make a go at releasing it theatrically, which okay. they did, and it became... This was actually a big movie yeah. at the time. Interesting. It was one of the first, if not the first, it was one of the first movies by Working Title Films, yeah. who is like became this great big. Um, distrib- you know, production company, releasing company, and... Um, for independent film in in uh, the UK and and um, and did they they released it theatrically and it did really well around the world and got great reviews. I think it's like ninety seven or ninety eight percent on on Rotten Tomatoes now. You know, <laughs> years later. Um, did you read anything about the screenwriter by chance? Yes. Um, so I was. One thing I was thinking is you, that this idea of you were having trouble feeling situated in the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was a feeling that there's a main character, but you're not all, you're not completely sure if he, where he stands at the center of yeah. this or like how invested you are in him really. Um, Hanif Qureshi, Qureshi, I don't know how to say his name. Hanif Qureshi, Qureshi. I apologize. He's super, he's amazing. He's one of the biggest writers in, in Britain now. Yeah. But this was one of his first things. He's, he's, a, he's, been, he's a playwright was yeah. and a novelist, um, and a screenwriter, 
uh, and this was one of the first big things that he did. He wrote the novel The Buddha of Suburbia, which was adapted as a big, huge television miniseries in Britain at the time. I have that book. I still haven't read it. Yeah. I've had it on my <laughs> shelf for years. Um, but I was just thinking that idea that it the narrative is, is a bit different and centers on so many different characters. Maybe that comes out of the fact that he has a screenwriting or more of a prose um, mm. background. He writes short stories, novels, yeah. and plays. Well, I, I don't think I had ever seen anything that, like, it was interesting to me because we're watching this and it immediately it seemed like someone who had an understanding of of being Pakistani and the family structure and all of that stuff, which was surprising in a movie from the 80s. <laughs> to me, you know, that there was that level of, of subtlety and understanding and, you know, presenting all the different, I don't know, it's, that was really cool. Well, he's writing a world he knows. Yeah, I wasn't as, expecting that, you know, Because you see it's a Stephen Frears film. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting that from, and it, it had to come from the screenwriter, it couldn't have come from, from the director necessarily. You well, know? I'm sure a lot of people have argued about, is yeah. this a Stephen Frears <laughs> film or a Hanif Qureshi yeah. work? But it really, it's both. Yeah. Well... You know, I was trying to think of what else I've seen by Stephen Frears. I've seen High Fidelity. I had to scribble them. It's a very weird line of work. It's like all over the place. There are some directors who you've seen like a shit ton of their movies, (laughs) but you can't really remember what they are because I don't know the whole idea of like directors definitely like being auteurs and and stuff like that i mean you can see it when you can see it when it's like david lynch or something or scorsese but with stephen frears i he did and i couldn't i could not have been able to name you more than one or two of these yeah and then when i was going through the filmography was like that's a great movie that's a great movie they're all totally different he did dangerous liaisons he did high fidelity the grifters um, other movies that, in Grifters, this sort of vein of like gritty UK kind of yeah. uh, uh, prick up your ears with Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman as the playwright Joe Orton. He did Dirty Pretty Things, another gritty. Which version. I had to read the description of and I don't think I've seen it. There's another movie that has a similar name with a similar setup that, I mean, not a similar setup, but I don't know. He's made comedies like um the snapper in the van based on those uh roddy doyle uh family novels the most recent one i've seen is the mrs henderson presents or whatever mr i haven't seen that mrs henderson presents he did the queen which i haven't seen which i can't i don't think we i don't think i saw no and um, he's still making them he made um the quiz this year Mm. which i don't I don't know. I'm. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really up on what's playing well, this year. And he did a very English scandal a couple of years from, ago. From what I've seen, I mean, like as far as like a style, I feel like his style is very close. Mm-hmm. You know, which you you can feel that in the in most of the shots and 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 it may. Well, you just, say that, and I'm picturing dangerous liaisons, even yeah. which is so melodramatic and so you know and yet it's like in those close-ups yeah (laughs) so i i get the feeling especially well especially in this film since it was shot on locations 
in small flats and British homes, which do tend to be small because of the price of land and yeah. all of, and the small lots and everything like that. That I mean, like you can't help but shoot that way in that type of environment. But but I seem to remember that. That's also um, High Fidelity is shot in Chicago and also has that sort of close. You know, there aren't any scenes where it's like big, open. You know. And so it's High Fidelity like a, has, a, in a way, a similar tone. Yeah. It's not really a comedy. It's not no. really a drama. It's, there, well, it's kind and of our quirky. Hero, our hero isn't really a hero. He's kind of an asshole. You yeah. Know? <laughs> there are flawed people. Yes. At the, Omar's kind Although, of an asshole. Although, if you'd asked me about 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have thought he was an asshole. But now that I think on it, yeah, John Cusack's character is he's an asshole. Terrible. He's a he's terrible. He's actually pretty bad. He's a pretty awful guy. <laughs> but it's a wonderful movie, and I love yes, it so much. it's such a good movie. And the Nick Hornby novel's great, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Omar's kind of an asshole. He actually, is. what's hard to watch is, I think the more he rises... The worse he starts to treat yeah, Johnny. It's true. It's like he he's just, kind of patronizing. He's yeah. kind of dismissive. He's pulling kind he of a class sort of thing yeah. with him. Yeah. Right? Because even regardless of what their actual classes are, there's kind of a there's Omar's now nouveau riche yeah. sort of thing, right? He's up and coming. He's got he's got businesses. Also, he has probably he's um probably better educated. You get the sense that Johnny dropped out yeah. at some point. Um, and he's starting to hold some of these cards over his head a little bit. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk to him, and especially in the scene where they're like checking out the 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 new laundrette. Does Johnny yeah. drive off by himself for some reason? Maybe, but I don't remember. I think so. We should uh, really record these uh, not two weeks after we watch the movie. <laughs> it wasn't two weeks. <laughs> it, usually we try to record within two to three days, but we um, circumstances conspired and we couldn't record until about a week and a half later. So. We should do a podcast called Reasons We Didn't Do a Podcast This Week. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short podcast. <laughs> um, Why don't we just make a Twitter account? We can just tweet it. <laughs> it's 140 characters. <laughs> I, I had forgotten that Stephen Frears did the movie Prick Up Your Ears, which came I out, that. I think it might have been the next film he did after this. Mm. It's really worth seeing sometime. It's okay. another really good, solid British You drama. know what? I always forget, this is weird, I always forget that Daniel Day-Lewis is British. Really? I don't know where he's from. <laughs> Just, I couldn't, I couldn't I remember. I have to tell you this, <laughs> because this was my experience. <laughs> when My Beautiful Laundrette came out, now... I, I think I went to I think I went with my sister. My dad yeah. would might have been gone by now. I mean, it was that year, right? So my sister and I just started going to see all the art art films and just everything. We would go see everything, but we saw this and uh, and, and of course Johnny was amazing and um, Daniel Day Lewis is great and very memorable in this yeah. role. Well, a couple months later, I mean, we could look it up because I don't know how yeah. close it was. We saw a Room with a View, mm. freaking. Daniel Day-Lewis, do you remember his character in A Room with a View? Did you remember that he's in it? Yeah. He plays Cecil, the mm. prissy, yeah. mannered, spectacles, milk toast, uh, possible suitor for Helena Bonham yeah. Carter. And it blew my mind. I can't remember. <laughs> it may have been an episode of Siskel and Ebert or Water. something like that, that, where they pointed out that this is the second 
an extraordinary role by this up and coming new actor, Daniel Day Lewis. Consider his range. He's Cecil yeah. in the room with a view. By the way, he was Johnny in My Beautiful Laundrette, and then my brain exploded yeah. because I hadn't made that connection. I couldn't see it, and I had to go back and like look. Well, know? his accent is, I mean, I'm no expert in, <laughs> in accents, but, uh, you know, it was believable to me, you know. So now we know that he probably went off and became a punk for two years before filming. No, I'm just yeah. Kidding. Like he had to become a tailor. My favorite thing apart about him is that um, he retired in like 2007 for like three years in order to just make shoes. Like he apprenticed himself to a Italian shoemaker and made shoes for three years. And that years. wasn't even preparation for a role? No, he, just, he just decided that he wanted to make shoes for three years or I whatever. I love him so much. I think he's amazing. <laughs> and, um, and I guess I had the pleasure of following his career from the very beginning because yeah. I saw that in the, this in his well, first movie. Well, and we saw his last film, which is... Apparently, apparently is his last film. So oh, he retired. Or? Yeah, according to yeah, he's done. Um, well, that film took a lot out of he's him. He's just amazing, and I know sometimes he blows the rooftops up and goes up to like eleven. Yeah, you know, like uh, there will be blood or okay. Gangs of New York, where you're kind of like, can you just turn it down a notch? But he's just extraordinary. Well, my feeling on Gangs of New York is it's not the movie it should have been because it wasn't made when it should have been made. But, you know. Yeah, it's true. You know, then you wouldn't have Daniel Day-Lewis, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 an, it's a very memorable role, but it's not among my favorites. <laughs> no, no. I don't. Well, that movie is a weird movie. It's, I've it's seen even it. a weird in Scorsese's career, too. It's just a strange It thing. is. And I was still coming to terms with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be the new De Niro. Yeah. For Scorsese. Who, and he still is in like every movie. Right? Well, I mean, he's better in other films than he was in that one. I think he was maybe still a little too young or something like that. I don't know. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird thing. But Daniel Day Lewis, back then, for years, yeah. he gave us these, you know, My Left Foot, and, you know. I've never seen My Left Foot. <laughs> no, we have to go back and see all of these, uh, God, I, these film, these British and Irish movies. He's very restrained in, fan, uh, in the Phantom Thread. Let's see, what else have I seen him in? You've been wanting to see Phantom Thread again. I love that film. Yeah. We both loved it. That one yeah. was one we talked about talking about on the podcast. And that was Paul Thomas did. Anderson's last last, last thing he made right yeah. like it, he he's usually, got another one coming out oh does he because he usually spends a few years year. right yeah. he usually takes three years or yeah. two four years to make a movie yeah they're always good well, they're they always worth good. it yeah inherent vice inherent vice yeah. i almost feel like we should watch that again and do a show on inherent yeah, vice because i don't know how many people out there caught uh, caught that so yeah, I'll I'll watch. Um, Will you watch eighties uh, British, British and Irish films? movies? Yeah, shoot, we've got to watch some of these. Uh, There's a bunch of them I missed. We have to watch these little movies that Stephen Frears did, like uh, The Snapper. Mm. It's the uh, it's is it? Am I getting it? Is it the Rabbit Family? There's Roddy Doyle, the novelist, the mm. Irish novelist. I'm pointing because I probably have something. I don't okay. know why I'm pointing over there. I'm pointing towards yes. my bookcase. Um, he he. Uh, has a series of books that uh, have the same family, the various members of the same family mm. in them. So, um, and most of them, most of those have been adapted into movies by various people. 
Um, the first one was The Commitments, and Alan Parker did a movie of The Commitments, and I have the movie, and we're going to watch that at some point because I picked that up at Half Price Books. Okay. And uh, it's about the sort of R&B band that they starred yeah. in, in Ireland, like playing all those great like Otis Redding songs and stuff like that. And the other movies were The Snapper and The Van. Um, they're just fun. They're good. Good movies. Solid movies. So do you have any other thoughts about uh, uh, how beautiful this laundrette was or wasn't or where where we end up? Uh, it, no, I don't. The laundrette was very 80s. I think... Uh, I, I wonder what happens next. I wonder what happens to Tanya and I wonder what happens to Johnny. And I wonder... So I am encouraged by... I, I love... I, I really want to mention this before we go. There, There's one scene that I just adore. That's one mm-hmm. of my favorite scenes in the movie. And it's on opening day mm-hmm. when they're, the crowds, they're still holding out because it's not time quite yet. Yeah. And they're kind of puttering around. And Johnny and Omar are in the back, in the backity back, yeah. in the dark behind the two-way mirror. Mm-hmm. And they start making out. Yeah, And Uncle comes in with his mistress, Rachel, and yeah. they put on the music and they start twirling and ballroom dancing yeah. around the floor. So you have this wonderful, offbeat, beautiful scene where they're dancing on one, in, in the empty laundromat yeah. with the music playing while, um, well, basically Omar and Johnny are having sex in yeah. the back room it's... and no, neither knows about the other. I mean, yeah. they're kind of aware. They can see through to the other side. Yeah. But it's just a great scene. I love it visually. I think it's, it's. I don't know if it's at the midpoint of the movie. It has this great sort of breathing space, kind of where the different characters and themes are coming together for the first time. You know, uh, the uncle coming together with Johnny probably for the first time, yeah. or you know, one of those first times. Shit's about to go down with Rachel, the mistress, because yeah. um, uncle's gonna... daughter is is going to be there at the same time. Yeah. And it's not good for them to meet. It's really not good for them to meet. So I just, it's a great scene. Yeah. And like, find it on YouTube if you don't get a chance to see this movie. Um, and then, but I would have, what I was going to say is you're like, where do we end up? Where do they go? What happens next? I love that, that the, the last scene right at, before the credits goes is after all of this kind of dies down and the, the, the laundry gets smashed a bit and, and, and things kind of go bad is you have that scene with them cleaning up in the back room, washing, and starting to just splatter each other with yeah. water. It's just so fun and playful, and uh, you feel like they're going to be together for a while. Yeah. Things are going to be okay. There is something yeah. there, um, something sweet. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a nice moment to end on. It is. Another great moment is when... Uh, is there's a scene where they're in public, I think, in broad daylight. And I, I forget if it's uh, Johnny's friends mm-hmm. out and about in the background. And they and Omar comes over. And we see that as they kind of, like, give each other a quick, like, bro smack kind of thing, yeah. that Johnny just licks his his, oh, yeah. his face. <laughs> yeah, I think. Or his side is his neck it, or his face? I think it's his neck, yeah. He licks his neck, but the other side <laughs> of the, the can't see it. Yeah. Just a great moment. <laughs> 
So I read a factoid that um, Stephen Frears just like thought of that, like yeah. when they the first week they started shooting, and he ran it by Daniel Day Lewis, who was totally on board. And to do that scene, they didn't tell Gordon Warnicke um, yeah. that, that he was going to do that. So there's genuine surprise. Um, it, That's it, funny. It's a fun. It's a great moment. You know the other weird thing, which just came out of nowhere, like. Uncle's wife hasn't been involved in the whole thing, but all of a sudden there's a scene where she's like cursing the mistress, like with like weird oh yeah folk magic or something yes. like that. She gives her a rash. Yeah, <laughs> there's still like a strange like magical realism moment there where she curses her and she gets a rash. <laughs> I love that. And the this movie's all about contrast. Like when you take up any two characters in the movie. That you've got like you've got this traditional weird curse thing going yeah. on, and and you know the wife in the background in traditional dress and yeah. stuff like that, who's really not part of the husband's yeah. life. She's only part of the home. You have, and then you've got the mistress, the white mistress in the, the furs and yeah. stuff like that, or the daughter who, that he shows off. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's good stuff. All right, all right. I think we're at the end of another. Uh, did we, we now we will shut up yes. so you can watch this that's right <laughs> this is the new intro <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. hey <laughs> um the movie we caught up with it, it's on the criterion channel right, right now i think and it's and there's a great uh, blu-ray criterion edition of it although even when it's when it's blu-ray it still was shot on 16 millimeters so it's still going to be a bit grainy yeah but it's going to look the best it possibly can so you can easily catch up with it. I'm sure you can rent it on Amazon and uh, iTunes, and it's worth finding. It's a it's a little gem. I think it did well at the time, but I think maybe it's kind of sort of been forgotten. Not forgotten, but the world's moved on, and uh, it's it's worth checking out. Yeah. And we'll be back with you in about two weeks. <laughs> about we two say, weeks. <laughs> we always set the intention, <laughs> yes. right? And it's your choice next time. That's and right. you can choose something that's meaningful, damn it. Damn it. And that I have seen before. Perhaps seen before. And and I understand what you're saying now because we you, we agreed that we could choose something that neither of us has seen. Yes. That we want to yes. see. There are no rules for this anymore. Right. Let's just say that. <laughs> it just means one person's in control. Yes. I don't feel very much in control right now. But we can talk about that off camera. <laughs> okay. Off camera, off mic. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Subscribe to us. Leave a review on iTunes. Um, and uh, we'll be back again soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.